Hello and welcome back to the Penalty Box Podcast. Liam Godmer here alongside my good friend and co-host Will Pashik. And Will, uh, first and foremost, I will ask you, how are you doing on this Saturday morning, especially after the events of last night in which the two biggest rivals in New York, the Rangers and the Islanders, went at it uh, for the fourth time this season, the Rangers getting the victory. But how are you doing uh, after I'm, last night? I'm doing great. Uh, I mean, look, I'll be honest with you. I was not concerned with how they played last night. I thought the Islanders played fine. Um, the Rangers just played better. Um, mm-hmm. And that's something that the Islanders are not used to seeing from many of their opponents this season. Usually when the Islanders play good, their team is not as good. Uh, but Liam, I texted you about it yesterday. If the Rangers play like they play the Islanders 82 times a year, they probably make the playoffs. Well, you know, I it doesn't think- matter how good the team is. The team right. can be the worst in the league when they play the Islanders. Both teams just kick it up a notch. I think that statement is very true. And I also think it's a testament to the Islanders. You know, when you're a first place team and when you've had as as much success as the Islanders did in the bubble last season and early on this season, you know, every single night being the opponent going into Nassau Coliseum that now has fans that definitely do play an impact. Because remember, these guys are playing without fans, you know up until a couple of weeks ago uh, and the Islanders are a really good team and you have to bring your a game if you want to beat them. And quite frankly, will I have to agree with you. The Rangers brought their a plus game from yeah. every facet of the lineup. It was great. The defense yeah, was there. Georgiev was great. Uh, and the offense rolled four lines. And now let me ask you this. I'm not concerned about the Islanders either. After that I, game. I, I know I texted you about it. The Islanders exposed some of the Rangers holes in their defense. Um, they had a lot of great scoring chances. I mean, Cal Clutterbuck hits the post 30 seconds into the period. Um, I believe Nick Letty hit the post at some point when the game was tied at, at, at 0-0. Um, if Brock Nelson's stick is just a tad lower, it's a 2-2 game, and who knows what happens. But yeah, I think the Islanders exposed their defense in ways that um, they haven't exposed many other teams in the division, like Washington's, um, like Pittsburgh's, for example. Um, but you have to understand this is a growing defense. Adam Fox, Ryan Lindgren, they're not going to have success 82 times a year or whatever it is, 56 times a year because they're growing defensemen. I think they're one of the most underrated defensive pairing in all of hockey. Uh, they've just been that good for the Rangers this year. But I do think you saw some of the flaws the Rangers have. And it, did, it didn't let them hurt them last night. And I think in, in, in games past, it let them hurt them. Certainly. And, you know, with the Rangers defense, it's growing. Like you said, there's a lot of changes that are going to be made when this rebuild is all over and the decor is all set and done, because there's a lot of guys on there that have played some pretty good hockey for the Rangers that are not going to be a part of their defense. The Rangers have Niels Lundqvist, uh, who won the SHL Defenseman of the Year, uh, obviously in the Swedish Hockey League. They have Zach Jones, who was lighting it up for the University of Massachusetts. He looks like a similar player to Adam Fox or Kel McCarr. So just think about those. Uh, comparisons. Obviously, Keandre Miller, who got a goal last night, uh, he was fantastic. Matthew Robertson, who's in the AHL as well. Uh, that doesn't even talk about Braden Schneider, who was drafted 15th overall in the 2020 draft. So the Rangers have so many deep prospects. Do you trade anybody on the team prior to Monday's deadline? I and mean, the only person I can imagine possibly getting traded would be maybe Colin Blackwell. I mean, teams would be looking for a guy like that to plug in on the third line. Maybe. And, you know, it's a sell high mentality with Colin Blackwell. I mean, obviously he had a goal last night. That's 14 on the season. If you want to know how good that is, Blackwell and Mika Zibanejad are tied in goals. Uh, So that really goes to show you how effective Colin Blackwell's been. But I think if they sell off anybody, 
Uh, I think it would be like a small depth defenseman like yeah. your Libor Hayek's, maybe a Brett Howden, you know, in the bottom six. And I have Brett Howden's jersey I got at the start of the rebuild, so that would be unfortunate if that happened. Um, and if they're going to acquire anybody, and I know this is a very long shot, and I get it, and if something like this is going to happen, it's going to happen in the offseason, Jack Eichel. Uh, I just want to put that out there. You know, uh, the Rangers and, and, and the Sabres are talking. And I'm not discounting that the Sabres and the Kings are not talking to each other as well, because we've talked about how much of a good fit the Kings are for Jack Eichel's services. But I think the Rangers are in on them. And, you know, this is a conversation that we're bringing back, you know, from a few months ago when obviously Jack Eichel was not getting on with head coach Ralph Kruger and he had some, you know, injury misperceptions. But I think this is an avenue the Rangers are going to explore. And, you know, maybe they develop the framework for a deal during the trade deadline and execute it in the offseason when the Rangers and the Sabres have a better idea of where they're going forward. I mean, what's your thoughts on that? That just came to my mind. Like, if we're ever going to acquire a guy, Um, we're going to inquire about Eichel. I do think his value, I can't believe I'm saying this, his value has gone down um, since we last spoke. He hasn't been able to stay healthy. Buffalo's not a good team. I think it's going to be an astronomically high price, but I don't think it, that it, it is as high what it once was. And that's a gamble you take if you are the Rangers, because if you bring him in, you're going to have to say goodbye to pieces like Mika Zibanejad, who they're going to have to pay a contract for. Guys like Orion Strong, who they're going to have to pay a contract for. So you kind of pick what you want here. Obviously, Jack Eichel is better than both of those guys, as I just mentioned. So you want to have Jack Eichel on your team. But it comes down to center depth. I mean, look at the trade that the Islanders just made a couple days ago for Kyle Palmieri and Travis Ajak. Look at their center depth now. Matt Barzell, Brock Nelson, J.G. Pajot, Casey Sezikis, and Travis Ajak. That's five centers on their team in only four spots. God forbid a center goes down, you have one of the most face-off men in all of hockey to plug right in there. And right now... Yeah, and right now Travis Zajac was playing on the wing last night uh, against the Rangers. So that just goes to show you. And, you know, we're talking about trades, and let's talk about, you know, the biggest trade made prior to the deadline by any team involving the New York Islanders and the New Jersey Devils. Still, we have two days to go until the NHL trade deadline. I would not be shocked if Taylor Hall gets moved. I know the Islanders are reportedly not done. Uh, I was told by Stefan Rossner of Twitter – who's a league reporter, that the Islanders have serious interest in acquiring Taylor Hall from the Buffalo Sabres, um, which is why I believe Oliver Wallstrom and Kiefer Bellows are held out of the lineup. Could be precautionary involved in a potential deal. If, back to let me just tell you, Will, um, that's the first time I'm hearing of this. If the Islanders trade Oliver Wallstrom for Taylor Hall, that will go down as potentially the worst trade the Islanders have made in the now, last 20 years. I don't years. think it's Oliver Wallstrom going. Neither I do I. I believe it's Kiefer going, but here is why fans are getting upset. Oliver Wallstrom is currently not listed on the roster. He's listed on the taxi squad. Basically, what that means is because of Palmieri and Zajac, there's simply no room for Oliver Wallstrom on the roster. When Monday's trade deadline hits 3 p.m., the rosters expand. So Oliver Wallstrom goes from being on the taxi squad to being back with the regular team. It's all a paper transaction. Mm -hmm. Right and it's now, a cap-saving maneuver as well. And right now what they're trying to do is, is they're trying to save money. So they're trying to save as much money as they can. And by allowing him to be in the taxi squad and bringing him back up, he's eligible to go back to the AHL if the Islander season has a shorter ending than they want and Bridgeport is still playing. Well, Will, um, 
I think it's simply put as this, and I'm sure you're going to agree with me. Oliver Wallstrom's not an AHL player. He's no. an NHL player. But uh, if the Islanders are done playing and they want him to play more, he can go down to Bridgeport. Yes. Yeah, so I, I don't think that the Taylor Hall trade talks and Oliver Wallstrom being put on the taxi squad, I don't really think they have anything to do no, with each other. But of course, you're going to have the fans that of think course. too. Yeah. With every team. And, you know, I think whichever team acquires Taylor Hall, I don't think it's a good investment, to be completely honest. Monetarily, it's not a good investment. Obviously, $8 million just for one year, but that's a lot of money in the flat cap. Not a lot of teams have $8 million. Yeah. The Islanders got the Devils to retain 50% of both salaries. Now, to me, that says that they're not done because why else would New Jersey retain 50% of salary? Well, before we get to Taylor Hall, let's just talk about the Palmieri and, and uh, Zajac deal to the Islanders, right? They're becoming the new, the new York Devlanders. And they Green, are, but Corey that's Snyder, yeah. Travis Zajac, Kyle Palmieri, and yeah. maybe Taylor Hall. Yeah, <laughs> possibly Nikita Gusev, who actually had his uh, contract terminated by the Devils uh, over the last week. But uh, this deal, I think the Islanders fleeced him. I think Lou Amarello fleeced Tom Fitzgerald. Uh, look, the big thing for me and Will, that's the reason why I wanted to start talking about it, is when you said that Palmieri and Zajac both have 50% salary retention by the New Jersey Devils. The fact that the Islanders acquire those two players and acquire them two for one, you know, in terms of money. Right, because you're paying two and a half million dollars to each player, roughly. So that's a five million dollar cap hit for two players, and all you have to give up were two no name prospects and a first round draft pick. And this first round, you know, it's going to be very up in the air because nobody's been able to evaluate prospects. So, and the Islanders are figuring we're going to pick in the high twenties. Um, I don't know if you heard what Tom Fitzgerald said. Thirty second overall. He said, "I hope the pick we get back is a thirty second overall pick." And, you know, that's great. And that shows that Tom Fitzgerald has a lot of respect for Lula Morello and the Islanders. But no, you don't. You want the 21st overall <laughs> pick because if, you know, you look at what the Rangers did last year, right? They traded with the Carolina Hurricanes, traded Brady Shea over there, got a first round pick back. That pick ended up becoming 22 or 23, obviously, because the Hurricanes lost to the Bruins in the second round. The Rangers combined two extra later round picks with that 23rd overall pick to move up to number 16 to go get Braden Schneider in a trade with the Calgary Flames. So that just goes to show you, you know, when you have picks that are in the early twenties, they can be very valuable, you know, not only in that position, but to move up as well. We've seen players in the draft, like David Pasternak, uh, you know, Matt who have Barzell just Matt Barzell was drafted a little bit earlier, but Pasternak was drafted twenty. Fourth overall. Think about that. 23 teams passed up on David Pasternak before the Bruins finally took the a Hurricanes shot. Hurricanes took Sebastian Ajo in the second round. Yep. Uh, Nikita Kucherov was even taken in the second round. So, you know, th- we can go on and on, you know, talking about players who were drafted uh, lower than they were supposed to be drafted. But yeah, for this deal, Will, just as a whole, Zajac and Palmieri have not looked good in the first two games against the Flyers the other night and against the Rangers last night. But I think Barry Trotz was right in his post game when he said, look, not only do these guys have to get assimilated with the team and understand the system, that's hard enough as it is. But the group in the locker room, minus Palmieri and Zajac, they're a family in there. They are a tight knit family who do things a certain way. And when you're bringing in Kyle Palmieri and when you're bringing in Travis Zajac, Palmieri's played for two teams in his career, the Anaheim Ducks and the New Jersey Devils. Travis Zajac has played for one. He's played over a thousand games for the New Jersey Devils, and now he's on a new team. So it's going to take some time, but come playoff time, 
It's a great and, move. And the Islanders have not to have a they have yet to practice with them. And of yes. course, they play tomorrow, and Islanders playing Thursday, Friday, and them acquiring Palmieri and Jack Wednesday. Barry Trot said they don't know the system. He told them, you know, the veteran guys they can learn on the fly. If they were acquiring a guy, let's say maybe Nikita Gusev, he would have him sit out the first couple of games to get assimilated with the system. But he knows these two guys; they were alternate captains. Now look, look at the leadership in that locker room over the past three years that you brought in. Andy Green was a Devils captain. Travis Zajac and Kyle Palmieri were the Devils alternate captains. So there's a lot of leadership in that room. Travis Zajac has been to a Stanley Cup final before, so he knows what it takes to win, as is Andy Green. Um, so I think it's a good deal for the Islanders. I really do. I, I, I don't think they're done. Um, I think they're going to get a small depth move. Uh, John Merrill was mentioned um, by Lou Lamarillo, or not by Lou Lamarillo himself, but people that work with the Islanders and surround themselves with the NHL. I think this is a fantastic move. Um, I, like you said, Zajac did not look great, um, but again, they don't know the system. Uh, John Gabriel Pajot did not look great until the bubble. And look what he did in the playoffs. He was, uh, you know, one of the and, better centers. And John Gabriel Pajot was one of the best playoff performers for the Ottawa Senators. Obviously, he had a four-goal game against the Rangers, single-handedly beat the Rangers in a game in Ottawa in the playoffs several years back. Uh, and obviously, Pajot's been to an Eastern Conference final. He's been to uh, Game 7 double OT against the Pittsburgh Penguins in 2017. Uh, so he knows how to play in the playoff atmosphere. And it didn't surprise me in the bubble when Pajot was struggling in the regular season once he got to the bubble once it's a playoff atmosphere once things are taken up a notch both energy wise and play wise that's when you saw the player Pajot could be and I would expect nothing less from Palmieri and Zajac Palmieri and Zajac may not be great during the regular season but come to the playoffs when the Islanders need goal scoring and they're without their captain Anders Lee they are going to need Palmieri and Zajac that's why I think Lou made this deal he knew that the captain went down and he needed people that were captains at, well, they're alternate or captains in the past to kind of fill that role. Um, Johnny Boychuk was an alternate captain. He's around the team every day. He practices with them. He does drills with them. Andrews Lee is hurt. He's with the team every day. So now you bring in three new captains and luckily, and whoever gets Taylor Hall, I'm hearing it between Boston and the Islanders right now. That is, that's what I'm hearing on social media. I think he's going to be a Boston Bruin, uh, to be completely honest. As do I. I think Boston has much more to offer, and I think Boston is desperate right now, and they're willing to overpay. Uh, They're they're barely holding on to the four spot, which is hard to imagine after all the success they've had. Um, But I think they're on life support right now. And with with no goalie, um, Vladar has been starting because Halak has COVID, and I don't know what's up with Tuka Rask, but I think they're going to overpay because they're desperate. Yeah, I think they're going to overpay because they're desperate as well. I agree with your sentiment. And I think that this is a bullet that the New York Islanders must avoid. And if you want to know why, just look at what Taylor Hall has done uh, when he has gotten traded before. He gets traded to the New Jersey Devils from the Edmonton Oilers. Sure, he wins wins the MVP, but that's on a bad team that does not have a lot of goal scoring. Since then, he has been utterly abysmal. Obviously, he got moved to the Arizona Coyotes uh, at last year's trade deadline. The Coyotes ended up giving up a first-round pick. Taylor Hall made no difference on that team. Taylor Hall goes to the Buffalo Sabres. He has two goals in over 30 games for the Buffalo Sabres. I would not touch this guy for $8 million, especially 
if the Islander, excuse me, not the Islanders, if the Sabres want a first round pick and a prospect in return for this guy. Um, you know what it reminds me of a little bit? And I think that Taylor Hall is not the better player here, but I think it's a good comparison. Back when the Rangers were starting their rebuild, they decided to make a trade at the trade deadline to the Boston Bruins. And this is not a new concept that the Bruins have no bottom six scoring. Like they have their top line, the perfection line, of course, Bergeron, Pashanak, and Marshawn. Outside of that, nothing. Maybe Krejci on the second line. I remember that. That's it. Rick Nash. That was the guy I was alluding to. We got Ryan Spooner back in that deal. I believe uh, maybe it was not Spooner. I think we may have sent Spooner over. The return was Ryan Lindgren, who is now wow. playing on the top wow, pair. Really? Yes, a first round pick, which became uh, not Niels Lundqvist, which became Philip Heedle, I believe. He's now a third line center. Matt Bolesky, who's buried in the AHL. Well, the, um, the fact that, I mean, the headliner there is 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 Ryan Lindgren. I mean, that- yeah. And Rick Nash played half a season for the Bruins and one playoff round. And then after that, subsequently decided to go and retire uh, from the game of hockey and the Rangers. It's an embarrassment of riches, thanks to what the Bruins did. And Rick Nash made no impact on that Bruins team. The Bruins did not get close to the Stanley Cup. That's exactly what I think is going to happen with Taylor Hall uh, with whoever acquires him. So it's interesting. Two days towards the deadline. I mean, we're going to see a lot of moves. You noticed what, what Lou Lamarillo said. It was interesting. Yeah, He said, you don't make a trade for the sake of making a trade, and you don't make a trade for the best player. You mm-hmm. make a trade for the people that would fit in with the culture and with the locker room. And I think that's him saying, yeah, we're not getting Taylor Hall. Yeah. You know, I, it's <laughs> not that, that I don't think – yeah. Not many GMs say that. You know, not many GMs say that. And and look at the moves he's made, and it backs him up. Leo Komarov, uh, Valtteri Filppula, um, uh Pajot, Zajac. So he's, he's made moves that fit cultures rather than are the best player. Right. That's why I think the Islanders are going to stand pat until the trade deadline, maybe outside of a bottom six defenseman. Uh, Obviously every team needs depth on the blue line. If they're interested in Jack Johnson, he is a free agent. Uh, You know, um, (laughs) you know, he is available one year, 750,000. I can confirm Jack Johnson can skate. He does know how to shoot the puck, uh, and he's a big body out there. But I think the Islanders are going to be looking in a different direction. But, Will, let's transition now from the Islanders and the Rangers to the rest of the NHL. And, Will, there's a team I want to talk about from the Discover Central Edition. And, no, we are not sponsored by Discover. But this is a team – yes, this is a team that you took to not make the playoffs this year, and they are number one in the National Hockey League. It's the Carolina Hurricanes. I'm going to own it. I'm going to own it. They have shocked me. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take the bullet here. Uh, I said something that I take back. <laughs> just like now. I took the bullet with the Vancouver Canucks, because to be fair, just I like had I them take second. the bullet with, with, with Toronto as well. I mean, I said a lot of crazy screwed up crap that is, <laughs> you know, that is BS right now. You know, I, I tried to tell you, playoffs. I mean, yeah, I but, tried to tell you when we, we were, when we were predicting the North and we'll get back to the hurricanes in just a second. But I said, Will, I think what happened with John Tavares is just lingering in the back of your mind. I think it that, is too. I do. I, I, I do. And that's why you just couldn't put them in the playoffs. And I get it. I do. If it happened to one of the Rangers players and, you know, for example, he went to Washington, you know, I would just say, Washington, you know, they, they took Capo Caco from us. You know, I don't think that they're going to make the playoffs well, I mean, or something like that. So I don't blame you. 
The whole yeah. thing with Toronto, I'm kind of over it because I have every right to be over it. We're obviously much better without him, as crazy as it may sound. Um, they are better without him. I'm yes. over it. Um, I, I have no more grudges. I still don't like the guy. Uh, Nor do you have to. Uh, it's different because Ranger fans are like, Lundqvist left and went to Washington. I'm like, yeah, but Lundqvist brought them to a Stanley Cup final. John Tavares won us one playoff round of 27 years. Like, so, which is two different things. But anyway, back to the point about uh, the Hurricanes. Yeah. They're, I mean, I'm very impressed, man. And this is a team that I said they don't have any goaltending, but they are just impressive as hell. But look, I mean, do I want to read that much into it? Kind of. Their opponents are kind of what's lingering me a little bit. I mean, they haven't played the cream of the crop. Outside um, of Florida and Tampa Bay, they've had a pretty easy time. Easy, yeah. And, I mean, look, look what happened with Chicago. They've fallen out. Nashville has come back in. But they have not played Colorado. They have not played Vegas. They have not played any of the North teams. They have not played Pittsburgh. I don't know if Washington or Boston, you name it. Um, I just don't see – yeah, I mean, Tampa – Florida. And quite frankly, Will, you know, the Carolina Hurricanes went to the bubble. And of course, they beat the Rangers in the play in round. They went on to face the Boston Bruins and they got beat pretty handily in five games by the Bruins. Here's my question for you. If we get to the postseason and Carolina makes it to the second round and they face off against the Boston Bruins again, do you expect a different result? I do. Because I, I don't. You don't. Uh, I don't. I'll let you get into your point first. But, I think I do because you know. look at, I mean, look at Boston right now. I mean, I get it. The, yeah. I I don't want to sound this way, but they may have three games in hand against the Rangers, but they just don't look right. They are not the same team that we are used to seeing out of Boston. They're just not. Yeah. I mean, yes, I agree with you. They're not the same team. It's inexplicable that the Boston Bruins are not ahead of the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, in the East Division. Uh, but like I said, to back up my point, I like Carolina. I love their defense. I think that they have the best defense core in the Eastern Conference. Serious. The offense is really good. One of my favorite players is Andrei Svechnikov, and he has been great this season, just like he was last season. He's only going to get better. Obviously, Jesper Fast signing with the Carolina Hurricanes in the offseason, he adds that extra element. Vincent Trocek, who was acquired at last year's trade deadline. You look at youngsters like Jake Bean, who has been so important to this team. The Bruins are more battle-tested. And, you know, the defense has taken a hit, but I still, you know, that lingers in the back of my mind. It was only a number of months ago that when pretty much the same Carolina Hurricanes team went up against the same Boston Bruins team and lost in five games. So I don't really know how, you know, if I was doing predictions today for the playoffs, yes. But I have Carolina in the second round. Yes. Would I have Boston in the second round? Depends on the matchup, but if Boston gets in, I, I can't have Carolina beating them, but that's not to take away anything that they've done this season uh, from top to bottom. They've been great, uh, but we'll see. And we'll let's stick in the central division. One more team. We have to talk about the Florida Panthers. Just, just tremendous. I think they might be the best team in that division over Tampa Bay. Uh, if I'm being that's honest. a hot take. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. Like as of right now, they're playing like it and yeah. like they are playing like it. And again, say what you want about their opponents aside from Tampa and aside from Carolina, they've had a weak schedule. It's nothing like the East division. It's nothing like the North division. However, it's worth noting how well Florida is doing without the stellar play of Sergei Bobrovsky. 
And it's very interesting because this is a headache of a contract they got to deal with for the next decade or so. And, uh, you let know, me, let me yeah. pull up the goalie stats. I asked Chris, a question to Chris one of my, Baker, yeah. 2.05. Yeah. It, it's, is Trigger's, Trigger's the number one goaltender, and that's okay. And you know, Will, I asked one of my friends, you know, uh, about a week and a half ago, and I'll ask you here who do you think has the worst contract in the NHL? Do you think that it's Sergei Bobrovsky, who signed a seven year, $10 million per year contract with the Florida Panthers, or do you think it's Jeff Skinner, who signed a. I think Jeff eight- Skinner, because Bobrovsky has been better. I mean, I mean look at his numbers 2.80 now. He's, he, he has been much better. But Drieger has been better, if that makes any sense. Bobrovsky's played 23 games. Drieger's played 18. So Bobrovsky is technically the starter because he's played more games. But Drieger has better stats. Drieger's 26 years old. If Florida really believes that Bobrovsky's their number one, you could trade a 26-year-old goaltender who's had a great season and get a lot back for him. Yeah, you definitely could. But I think – I think it's Jeff Skinner who has the worst contract right now. I think nothing's going to fix him uh, except an exit out of Buffalo, but nobody's going to pay that contract, so he's stuck there for the rest of his career. But Baroski, it's clear that he's fixable because he's been much better. And that is what my friend said. He also said uh, Jeff Skinner uh, was the worst contract. But, Will, one more thing with Florida. The Panthers are going to have a very interesting decision to make come the offseason because they are going to have to leave protected one goaltender and one goaltender unprotected. Who is it? Do you protect Drieger? Do you protect Bobrovsky? And just hope and pray that the Kraken take Bobrovsky off their hands. Or do you hang on to Bobrovsky? I mean, what do you, I mean, I don't know if Bobrovsky has a no trade clause or what have you. Or you could go the route that the Islanders did and they're probably going to do again, where you kind of force Seattle to take somebody. The Islanders traded away a defenseman from Notre Dame for them to take Mikhail Grabowski. So you're essentially trading Seattle, a prospect or a draft pick yep. to get somebody off their hands. So they could, you know, go that route and say, we want to keep our goaltenders. We'll trade you so-and-so for so-and-so. Um, but talk about Aaron Ekblad and how well they're playing without him. Mm-hmm. Uh, also Carter Verhege. This guy was an Islander product. They got him from yes. Michael. They got him from Toronto, I believe, from Michael Gramner, mm-hmm. and they put him in the AHL. He goes to Tampa, wins the cup. He signs a two-year contract with Florida, and he's one of their better players at 25 years old. Uh, this guy's pretty good. I think that this is less. You know who he reminds me of? Yeah, Jonathan Marchessault. Yeah, very interesting comparison, and obviously Marshall is thriving right now uh, with the Vegas Golden Knights. That's an expansion maneuver that certainly Marcheseau, worked out. Marshall, a former Florida Panther, I believe. Yes, a former Florida Panther, and get this, Riley Smith and Jonathan Marshall went to the Vegas Golden Knights as a result of the expansion draft. And Smith and Marshall, brother of Brendan Smith, of course, Riley Smith, uh, are lighting it up over there in Vegas. But to talk about what you're saying with Verhage, I think it's an overall conversation that we have to have about the Tampa Bay Lightning. And the Tampa Bay Lightning, when you have players, young players, who are stuck on that third and fourth line, and they're still producing and they're still being effective, when you're able to play with a team who is as good as last year's Tampa Bay Lightning were, you are going to develop into a pretty damn good player. And that's exactly what Verhage has done. I mean, obviously he's lighting it up. 
you know, similar to Colin Blackwell, not on the extent of Colin Blackwell, but, you know, just two guys who, you know, were, you know, upper 20s, you know, mid to upper he leads 20s. The, he leads Florida in goals. We're expecting a lot, so. He leads Florida in goals and his third in points. It's impressive. It's impressive. And I'm happy that Florida was able to get somebody like that. You pair him with Patrick Hornquist. Uh, also in the top six acquired by, uh, you know, from the Pittsburgh Penguins for Mike Matheson in the offseason. It's a recipe for success. I'm disappointed in myself for not seeing uh, this potential in Florida, but seeing how they went out in the bubble against the Islanders, I, I had no faith. They're a whole different team. Yeah, they are. They are because they have two uh, elite goaltenders. They're playing without their best player, one of their best players, Aaron Ekblad, uh, who went down with a bad injury, uh, you know, obviously hoping he gets better. But it's been impressive. you got to give credit where credit is due. But, Will, let's transition from the Central now to the Honda West Division. And we didn't get really a lot of time to talk uh, about the West Division. I know you have uh, your little love affair with the Minnesota Wild uh, and how much they're your Western Conference team. so good. They've yeah. just been so good, and it's so fun to watch. Yeah. It really is. And I think the guy that doesn't get up is Kirill Kaprizov, and mm-hmm. obviously going to win Rookie of the Year, undisputed. Nobody's arguing that. Um, but they've just been so much fun to watch. And they have. I think it's a te- – whoa, uh, TV went on. I think it's a testament <laughs> to how good um, – of, of how well coached they are. And we want to talk about L.A. now. Zach, uh, not LA, Dustin Bufflin. This could be the end of his time in LA. Um, I th- I've heard a couple of rumors that if they choose to. No, they- you're not referring to Dustin Bufflin. Dustin Brown. My- <laughs> I was about to say, Dustin Bufflin, he's retired from the National Hockey League. He's Dustin still got the Brown. first name, though. <laughs> yeah. So, Dustin Brown, I read reports that it, 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 if a team gets him, it'll be a one year rental. And because of the extra year on the contract, He'll expose him to Seattle. Okay. Yeah. Now, a lot of teams might be doing that with bad contracts. Right. I think Boston is an interesting spot for Dustin Brown. Uh, you know, they haven't really had that physical third line type guy, second line type guy uh, since Milan Lucic. Um, so maybe that they'd be interested, but we'll, Let's stay in the West Division. There's one more team I want to talk about before we get to our last topic of the day. And it's the St. Louis Blues. Obviously, my rant about Jordan Bennington, they, he was, he's been better in the last week, but he's they're 18, 16, and six. They have 42 points. They're trailing the wild by seven points and the coyotes by one point for fourth spot in the West. Is it realistic that this team's not going to make the playoffs? And they got San Jose right on their heels. San Jose's only two games, two points back. I'm kind of off the, off the San Jose grind, uh, not San Jose off the, uh, Arizona grind. Okay. Um, it's just free Phil Kessel. It's all, I mean, the guys won two cups. I mean, he is a kid. And what, and what about the blues? They're interesting. I mean, they're really interesting. Very, very interesting. Um, I think this is obviously Vegas and Colorado's division to lose. Yeah. I think if anyone, if anyone else besides those two exit out of the West division, it's a problem. Uh, Probably my- Minnesota, but yeah. I don't see it. Yeah, um, but man, the Blues have been different. And well, we spoke about that Bennington contract and how bad it's been. But yeah, it's not good. Uh, Bennington's played a little bit better uh, over the past week. But Will, for our last topic, and this is a little bit of on a sadder note uh, rather than a happy note, but we have to talk about what's been going on with the Vancouver Canucks. 
20 of the team members, including multiple coaches, have come down with a new strain that's been making its way around British Columbia and Canada, uh, and they're not doing well. They are, I wouldn't say last legs, but they're they're getting close there. They're really, um, you know, in a bad spot, and they haven't been able to get vaccinated yet because Canada, you know, is obviously a step behind the United States in that. So, well, that's another reason um, why I believe it is so important to get vaccinated. Um, yes, and the doctors have said that this any three of the vaccines people receive Johnson and Johnson, which is stronger, uh, physically stronger, uh, for your body than the other two, because it is one dose. Right. And like you said, and people that I've spoken to who've received the vaccine, it's a lot worse than what I've experienced with Pfizer and what people have experienced with Moderna. I'm uh, going through it right now. Will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like, just, I'm, I'm very grateful that the, that the United States has gotten it out as, as quick as they could. So we don't have what is going on in Canada right now, but this is why it's so important. How the doctor said that it protects you from this new strain that's going around. And um, cause they've been working on it for years. Um, it's crazy to think like that. Um, and, but yeah. simply how, how I feel is this, if anybody broke protocol, which is clear somebody had to do, if it can't be just one, it had to be multiple people, they should forfeit games. The teams that are playing them should not be punished as well. And it goes for every sport. If you break protocol and you're on the Vancouver Canucks, as many games as you miss should be credited to you as a loss because you're putting other teams in the rest of the league in jeopardy of not playing and resulting in games that need to be played. So I agree with you. And a report came out about the Canucks, just so you know, over the last week that nobody broke uh, protocol. Uh, they went to a the the first affected person went to a place where they were allowed to go to under NHL's COVID protocol, but there were multiple positive COVID nineteen cases, uh, and, and unfortunately they got it and they got this bad strain. And will that leads me into my next and final question about the Vancouver Canucks? Do they finish the season? No, because right now they have nineteen games to play. They're right on par with Montreal, who also has nineteen games to play, but. You know, Vancouver is probably going to be out for another month. They're not going to be back until May. At that point, 19 games has to be made up by Vancouver and the other teams in the entire league have to, you know, play an additional six. So I don't see how you make that work, especially with the Olympics. NHL, you know, I talked about this on the penalty box, you know, at the beginning of the season, I said that the NHL has obviously NBC has rights to the NHL until the start of next season when they transition to ESPN. The Olympics in the summer is being broadcasted by NBC. So the NHL is not going to get priority over the Olympics. And the NHL needs to get their season done. They need to award a Stanley Cup winner before that happens. And they are very thin ice in terms of that schedule. So I, I don't think they play 56. No, the, the, there's no shot to play another game. But is that fair? Is no, that fair? Like, They're still in the playoff race. but And they didn't break co- protocol. So what are you going to say? You know? I you're going to have to, because I'm not doing this BS again, where we're going to have to credit people with winning percentage. It's just unfair. Yeah. They're eight points behind fourth place so Montreal. Credit with the same amount of games making, played. They're not making the playoffs. They're not. They're not making the playoffs. They're, you know, I mean, yeah, it's going to be, I mean, maybe, I don't know what the NHL is going to do. I really don't. They they should be thanking their lucky stars. Gary Bettman should be thanking his lucky stars that it's one team. You should be grateful that we have Gary Bettman and not Rob Manfred. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Because um, you see what ha- 
you see what happened to LA with Justin Turner right. and Ron Manfred has done a miserable job. I, I he's the worst commissioner. In you know, Roger Goodell, he's Roger Goodell, Gary Bettman, and Adam Silver are all tremendous uh, commissioners for the NBA, NFL, say what and NHL. Want. Yeah. Say what you want about commissioners. Gary Bettman said when the pandemic started, we started the season looking for a champion. We will end the season looking for a champion. Yeah. They got it. They it's got just, it done. They did. And Gary Bettman said, we're going to play a season this season. Yes. He got it done. Gary Bettman said we were going to start the season in October of, of this upcoming year. He's going to get it done. Everything he said, he's been good. So how can people boo him? I don't understand. And I mean, that was going to be my PSA to end the show here. I think as sports fans, and this is not just as hockey fans, but I think as sports fans, we need to stop unfairly criticizing the commissioners of our sports. And do understand that I said unfairly, but Gary Bettman comes out to prevent, to present the trophy that every single NHL fan of every single NHL team are waiting for in their lifetime to see their team hold up the Stanley cup. And consistently every single year, Gary Bettman gets booed out of the building. We didn't get fans last year, so we didn't get to see it uh, with the Tampa Bay lightning. But if whoever wins the Stanley cup, booze are going to rain down on Bettman for what? For awarding the Stanley Cup, for awarding the trophy that you as a fan wait for a lifetime to see your team achieve, please. It has, it has to stop. And look, you can criticize Rob Manfred. Manfred's one thing. Yes, Manfred's yes. But for want. commissioners who generally do a good job, like Roger Goodell, I think Adam Silver is one of the best NBA commissioners that they've had in years. Obviously, no offense to David Stern, who did a great job as his predecessor, rest in peace. Um, and Gary Bettman, again, speaks for himself. So. And you look, the players around both the NBA and the NHL, they love their commissioner. In baseball, the Major League Baseball had the option to make the season start April 1st so they could all get vaccinated. And they were like, nah, we don't like you. We're not going to help you out. I mean, that just goes to show you the level of of respect they have for one another. So thank God we have Gary Bendman. He's done a terrific job, especially through this pandemic. My yes. views on him has changed. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, and for everything that has gone on over the past year, I mean, look what Gary Bettman has done, and I'll close the show on this. It's, you know, he has allowed the NHL to develop a plan to where they awarded the Stanley Cup champion, and he did not go back on his word. Will, you said it before. I cannot stress how important that is out of a commissioner, out of a leader of the sport that we all love. Uh, and, you know, he has done a great job also. And finally, getting fans back into the stands. You know, now we're able to enjoy hockey now that myself and yourself now have the vaccination card. Whenever there's an Islander game or whenever there's a Ranger game and I'm back home from school, I can go now. And, you know, you know, we can enjoy our first game that we've ever watched since, you know, the Islanders lost in overtime to the Hurricanes. I know that's still beating in your mind, that high stick from Andrei Svechnikov uh, in that game. Still a little bit too high, even a couple have, years later. I have the, you know the luxury of going to a Yankees Rays game next weekend. That's wonderful. And it's, I have not been since the playoffs when they lost to Houston in 2019. And okay. this could not be possible without obviously the help of everybody that's been on the front line. You, you went to 2019 against Houston. Uh, I did. I went to the game where Sabathi pitched his last game. 
Okay. Okay. I got you. It was uh, not fun. Um, that's when they fell behind 3 1 in the series. Okay. I got it you. Was, yeah. And I, I have not been back since. And again, this cannot be possible without the help of everybody who's been on the front lines and just to take in a game again. Um, yes. And, you know, just to watch a game, hockey, basketball, um, even a horse race that has fans in the stands, it, 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 it really elevates the game yeah. more than no other. I called a women's lacrosse game um, last weekend, and it was the first sporting event that I have been to of any kind uh, since, obviously, that game against the Hurricanes and the Islanders in Nassau Coliseum. It was just spectacular. You know, I was watching women's lacrosse, you know, uh, for SUNY Oswego taking on the Fredonia Blue Devils. And, you know, it's not the most exciting thing in the world you're ever going to watch. But for me, you know, it was just just a spectacular experience. And it was so exciting for me that when I made the first goal call for Oswego, my sports director had to come up to the booth during a commercial break and tell me, look, you did a great job. It's lacrosse. There are going to be 20 goals in this game. So you don't have to scream like the Rangers just won the Stanley Cup. Uh, but that just, you know, encapsulates my excitement. But, Will, that would I'm be it. Yeah. I'm doing play-by-play for softball next Saturday, right? Yeah. And there are going to be fans in the stands. And when I did a play-by-play for hockey, um, the only place that allowed fans was Army because they're military base and they're in a bubble themselves. Nobody's right. allowed in. Nobody's allowed out. So they had, you know, all the cadets come and whatnot. Right. And, but when we lost to them in the playoffs and Army scored in the fourth overtime to win the series, compared to how it was in the regular season, when I called the game and I yelled goal, I stopped talking because the fans' energy was there. I wanted people to hear that. And That's I think a great that's quality in a broadcaster. And yes. I think that's what we've all missed because when we're watching a game, you want to hear the crowd. I mean, you saw, you know, at the Rangers Stanley Cup final run, it was right. electric. And we missed that for a, for a year and a half. And I'm just so glad it's all coming back now. And it's just, it's, it's great. Yeah, we couldn't be more grateful for sure. Actually, today I was supposed to call game one um, of the men's baseball game uh, today, but due to lingering side effects of the COVID-19 vaccination, both myself and my color guy, we both got the vaccine yesterday and we both were just not feeling up to it. And, you know, so, but next weekend be back at it. Hopefully I'll be able to call a cross game then. Uh, But for that, Let's end this episode like we do every episode. And I know that we say it a lot and we've said it a lot on this show. Uh, And we're not saying it just to say it. We're saying it because we mean it. The essential workers and the healthcare people who have put entire tireless hours. It could not have been done without you. Will could not have gotten his vaccine. I could not have gotten my vaccine. Will could not be attending his first Yankee game in over two and a half years against the Tampa Bay Rays. If it was not for you guys. Uh, and we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. And for sure. We wouldn't so. be able, Liam and I would not be able to go back to school. Um, you know, yeah. simple as that. And I know we both want to end um, the semester the way we started and that's, and that's in person. Um, yeah. So we appreciate everything that they've done and, and, and all the work they've put in. So Absolutely. And endless, tireless hours. But until next time, this has been the Penalty Box Podcast. Will Pesha, Liam Godmer will be back next Thursday, a week from today, to talk about all things NHL.